Coming up on today's show, after some quick hits, we're discussing the Golden Ticket Awards and how attractions are engaging their superfans on this episode of Green Tag Theme Park in 30. From the Haunted Attraction Network, I'm Philip, and this is day 20 of our 61-day Hauntathon, counting down to Halloween. Today is Monday, September 20th, and there are 41 days until Halloween. The best way you can support us this Halloween season is by sharing our Hauntathon with someone you think will enjoy it. And to follow along to our Hauntathon, sign up to our weekly newsletter at hauntedattractionnetwork.com. And now, Green Tagged Think Park in 30 with Scott Swenson and I. From our studios in Los Angeles and Tampa, Florida, this is Green Tag Theme Park and 30. I'm Philip, and I'm joined by my co-host, Scott Swenson. Hello, Scott. Hello, Philip. Hey, we're actually home for a change. Oh, I feel so wonderful, though my dog is still missing. Uh, yeah, I, I leave I leave again I leave again later this week. But uh, again, I, it's, nice to be, it's nice to be home for the weekend. It's very nice. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, yes, we've been busy. Ooh, so starting off here, we have a little bit of an update here. Last week, we did mention the the uh, Biden made an announcement about parks. And of course, later we found out that uh, part of the announcement included the new U.S. federal vaccine requirements that will impact employers with 100 or more, which is basically every <laughs> every themed attraction and amusement facility of a certain size. Um, it's also not very clear when they said um, as to the, the requirements as to what like whether theme parks are included or what size attractions are included in the requiring guests to be vaccinated or not and all that kind of stuff is unclear and so iapa did issue a public affairs update where they uh talk about how they are tracking these updates to send out more information which i think is good because the details are important you know iapa mentions that the details are important they are very important we want to understand who is enforcing and when and exactly what and what the guidelines are going to be um on that end uh, but I think despite all of that, I think it's still like writing on the wall. So like two things in tandem. Details are important. Yes, they always are. But also writing on the wall in the direction that some of this is going. Yeah, it's clearly a trend. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. clearly a trend. And I, one of the things, you know, one of the things that has been drilled into my head over and over again when talking about, you know, post-crisis leadership and management is recognize that you need to have multiple pathways and not just when when the yeah. crisis is imminent but in preparation for a crisis and my my suggestion is get in front of the wave don't drag your feet thinking oh this isn't going to happen because quite honestly it already is happening you know this particular this particular story is already happening and you know when iapa says they have to go in and, and clarify uh the the understand the provisions and the definitions and the impact and all that sort of stuff I, I, that's important. And you know what? Kudos, kudos to IAPA for that kind of support. It's good to have an organization that is is looking out on the on a yes. large scale um, to to help its members and to help the industry um, and help them better understand what's going on there. Uh, but but again, this is this is not something we're past the point. I think if you are leaders, if you are leaders in the industry, or you know owners of companies, or even managers within companies. We're past the point of wait and see. Um, we've waited. We've seen. Get out in front of it. It's not going to hurt you. Yeah. It's yeah. not going to hurt you. At wow. least have a plan for crying out loud. Yeah. That's the most important thing. So speaking of it already coming to effect and having a plan, uh, on Wednesday, this past Wednesday, the LA County Health Department announced that they have a plan for an order that will be coming out. So it hasn't quite released yet, but basically that order is going to come out and it will kind of like clarify some of these things. And one of the things going to clarify is that theme parks are considered mega events as they were not previously, and that it it will require 
proof of vaccination or like a negative test for people that are entering these mega events. And uh, <laughs> so here's the quote. Familiar. This sounds remarkably familiar. Yes, though. yes, it does. It does. Very sad. And um, weird because uh, apparently, I don't know, Universal doesn't even think it's familiar. Um, the uh, the quote from Universal Studios Hollywood is, theme parks have not been categorized as mega events venues in previous county health orders and have different operational capabilities and practice. Scott, they have different practices. They're different. They they ha- they are different to handle the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of guests that are every you know, day. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Okay. Um, and uh, they uh, let's see. They go on to say we are reviewing the updated order with health officials with that context in mind. Okay. I'm glad to well, know that you are reviewing it. They're not making a plan. Notice they're just looking at it with health officials. But again, I. <sighs> I'm sorry. I got a little a little testy reading that because I'm like, why even talk to the media if you're going to say that? Um, the Six Flags folks didn't give a quote, but they did say that they the theme park is continuing to monitor the guidance and has no updates to share, including no update, like you suggested, of saying we have a plan. <laughs> like, well, and again, I I think I think that theme parks some some theme parks. And I don't, and I don't know whether this is the case. I mean, I have no insider information for either universal. Yeah, yeah. So I'll just, I'll just state that right up front. But having gone through, you know, smaller crises when I was entrenched in the theme park world, um, it is, it is foolish. It is foolish to think that something of this magnitude is just going to pass over. It yeah. is that is that is just bad planning, and yeah. you know whether it is a a pandemic or it is, oh, I don't know, let's say something like a negative film that may have come out. What could I be talking about there knowing my past? Um, you know, you, it is it is silly to just put your head in the sand and say, it's all going to blow over. It's not. And that may have been a great model from before. It may have been a great model before, you know, even before the internet. Um, but people are going to find out the truth and information travels much quicker. I mean, look at this, look at what's happened with the pandemic. You know, we get we get new information every day, and and unfortunately, we as a society are not used to that. So therefore, we automatically think, well, then we can't believe anything. No, things are actually changing that quickly. And instead of us waiting to get to to get it through more traditional or well outdated or outmoded means, um, we're getting it as it happens. We're getting it almost in real time. So that doesn't mean that it's not real. What it means is we are getting more information. Now, yes, it does create a great deal of noise and it's really hard to cut through it, but that doesn't mean that it's not real. So have a plan, have a worst case scenario plan, have a middle case scenario plan and have a best case scenario plan and run them parallel until such time as you can figure out exactly where it is. And to be honest, you're probably going to pick and choose between those three plans based on what's going on. this is something that was just drilled into our head during post-crisis, uh, post-crisis leadership certification. Um, thank you, University of South Florida, for, for this education and training. And that was, you're, you're, not, you're doing a disservice to your company if you are not looking at multiple options. I mean, even down to multiple supply chains, um, down to uh, multiple ways of doing business, and, and, do, and run top numbers. Figure out, you know, if this happens, then this is what our profit margin looks like. If this happens, this is what our profit margin looks like. You know, it's 
it is foolish to just think, well, you know what? We're not going to plan or do anything until the dust settles. That's yeah. too late. And I, I would go on to say on top of that, maybe they are planning in the background and we don't know, but I, I feel like it's still a little foolish to give the classic answer to media of we're monitoring the situation. Like, no, that, that, I don't think that flies anymore in this the information era, you know, that, then say we're making a plan. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just say it. Like, it's not, you know, like it. Right. And and with these specific quotes, I mean, I have not, I did not see the full, I have not read or heard or seen the the full um, interview that was done or the full statements that were made. Yeah. So I, I, it would be irresponsible of me to say that they, they're not saying that. But based on what I've seen and based on what has surfaced, um, there is less, there is less focus on, you know, I would, I, quite honestly, I would love to see a company come out and say, you know, we are monitoring the situation and because the situation is ever changing, we have multiple options that we are moving forward with. Yeah. To me, that sounds like it makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, there are people who would say, well, then you're wishy-washy and you can't make a decision. But if you don't have enough, to, enough information to make a finalized decision, then you have multiple plans in the works and moving forward and you just jump lanes. You know, it's like driving a four-lane highway. If one lane slows down, you move over to another. That doesn't mean you build a whole new lane. You have one there that's already going. So, yeah. I don't know. I hope that's what they're really doing. And yeah. and I've I've got to assume that that is what they're really doing. But I agree with you. I think it is it is a PR misstep to not bring that to the surface at the moment. Well, okay. Our next story, kind of related to PR, I guess. It's uh, well, a hundred percent related to PR. Yes, it's hundred. Yeah, I guess it is hundred percent. Okay, so the golden tickets are Yay! announced. I don't. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I was. I, I was at the Puppet Up show last night, and one of the improv uh, themes was um, the Loctis Monster is arrived. <laughs> The MC is like okay, <laughs> which is a great show, by the way. If you, if you guys, because they're they're part of a uh, part of Knots right now, aren't they? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. If you have not seen Puppet Up, which is this uh, the, the the minds behind the Muppets, and um, it's it's a puppet improv show. I saw the tour, um, and the, and as a puppeteer and an improver, it was like I was it's incredible. In yeah, it's incredible. It's a, it's, but a great it's just asset. a wonderful show, and it's so much fun. Oh my gosh, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, and and a little naughty. So you know, Very I don't naughty. know how naughty it is. I don't yeah. know how naughty it is at knots. Uh, our audience was in that naughty vein. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> when I saw the tour, it was filthy. So I loved it. I thought it was great. But anyway, <laughs> golden tickets have arrived. Golden tickets have arrived. Um, here, well, I'll do a puppet. There we go. Look, the golden tickets are have arrived. Um, so I, I think this is great. Congratulations to the folks who are topping and climbing these charts. The thing I actually quite like about the golden tickets is it's not just here are the winners. It's here's kind of the top, you know, top five or so, mm -hmm. so that you can figure out where, who's, who's up and coming, who is um, sort of dropping down, dropping off. Uh, <clears throat> but, but I will, I will caution with this or any other awards, you know, they, they always tell, they always tell people never believe your own PR, um, embrace it, but never believe it. Um, it there's different criteria for different awards yeah. and, and the, the, nobody will always agree with every single award that they see there. There's always going to be a dissenting view and that's completely fine. You know, um, I've, I've received 
I've received awards that I go, wow, really? Um, but okay, I'll take it. And it's, it, trust me, it's on my website. So <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where it's a great opportunity to get people talking about the industry. So I'm going to be as positive as I possibly can about any award show, whether it's, you know, the, the, the golden tickets or the IAPA's brass ring or any other, any other award, any other recognition. If your work gets recognized, that's great. And if your work, if, if someone who is a competitor of yours, if their work gets recognized, that's okay too, because it brings more attention to what we do. You know, it gives them a chance to go out with a great press release and say, we just won a, a golden tickets award which is, is wonderful. You know, and now of course, like one of the, one of the categories, again, knowing my background and my past, one of the categories that, that grabbed my eye was uh, aquatic or wildlife park. And number one and number two are sister parks, both of which I've done work at, which is, is Busch Gardens, Tampa and SeaWorld Orlando. Um, SeaWorld Orlando is actually number one, but um, they're, they're one and two now, which is, is brand new with um, Animal Kingdom coming in as number three which I thought was interesting. I think mm -hmm. it's showing, again, I think it's not, not to show best or worst. I think it's showing trends. Yeah. I think it's showing, I think it's showing that there is a, a trend towards the, um, can, can we ride roller coasters and see animals? You know, mm -hmm. uh, I, I think, I think we're trending that way. I don't know. But, uh, but I do think it's interesting because now, you know, Bush and Bush gardens and SeaWorld are going to be able to say, you know, do the, do the I four friend, pass and and go back and forth to, between the two top rated uh top rated animal parks and it's great pr it gives them a yeah. great a great talking point were there any were there any uh any categories that stuck out in your mind philip were there any that you kind of went yeah i think that's great it's about time or or others that you went wow okay cool i i am excited that it's highlighting parks that are not usually highlighted you know or, or at least we don't hear too much from um you know it's like Anytime, again, you know, anytime Disney does anything, you know, like they put out, they, there was a whole press release about the dessert party menus and it's like, oh my gosh. Um, and uh, so it's exciting to see that we see kind of a lot of Universal in here and a lot of smaller parks, Dollywood and whatnot. Um, I think that the Christmas one is very uh, interesting with Dollywood and Silver Dollar City and Give Kids World Village you know, making it on there on a park list. And, mm -hmm. you know, those events are good events. They are great Christmas events. Um, you know, the, the Halloween one is a little surprising to me because uh, I have been to all of these and I do not um, agree. But, you know, <laughs> just like you said, Scott, we're happy for everyone. They didn't have, they didn't consult me. Well, like, I'll again, put up my own list later. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and I know you will too. But, uh, but, <laughs> but, but the, idea, the idea is too, you have to, when you look at the award, you have to look at the criteria. And you yeah. have to look at how the how the winners are assessed. You know, what are they voted in by the by the attendees? Um, which is, you know, is it a popularity thing? Is it a uh, are they adjudicated or judged by people within the industry? Mm -hmm. Are they judged by people outside the industry? Um, you know, because because quite honestly, my understanding now I don't know a, I don't know a ton about the inner workings of of um, golden tickets, but it's my understanding that that is more of a fan favorite award is that yeah. is that a fair way of of assessing yeah. it yeah. um so are they're the ones that are pleasing the guests or or pleasing enough guests that have really cool algorithms so that they can vote a lot of times online yeah. i don't, or, I don't or even just encouraging you know because a lot of times it's like the the parks don't bother encouraging the award right because they don't need it and 
right. sometimes they they really push on it to make that concerted effort. So if anything, it shows effort to some degree, whether it's effort for the guest or effort for the park, encouraging the guest, you know. Well, and with that in mind, I think the trend of, of, I won't say trending away from Disney because they, you know, uh, uh, rise of the resistance, rise of the resistance just basically swept, I think everything that they were even considered for. Um, They got, you know, best new attraction, best new family attraction. Best dark ride, yeah. Yeah, best dark. Because, again, it's stellar. And I don't, and I'm not trying here, I'm not sitting here to to diss Disney in any way, shape, or form. Um, But I think it's, I think it's interesting that people are showing their loyalty to the hometown parks. They're showing their loyalty to the smaller parks. And maybe that's because, you know, pandemic, they're not traveling as much and they recognize the value of the smaller hometown parks or the, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Let's come back to that thought too. Cause that's very interesting. Um, I think that that ties into one of our later stories, but um, okay. it is, it is interesting that um, on the, even on the top five, there's no Disney park in the best park. Uh, so, you know, there you go. Um, so, so speaking of universal and um, kind of their footprints and what's going on, uh, the Beijing universal Beijing report, uh, universal Beijing Park is set to open officially on September 20th. And there's a great article from in Park Magazine outlining the opening details and what's going on with the park. And uh, let's see, on September 20th, the grand opening of Universal Beijing Resort, including the Universal Studios Beijing theme park, two resort hotels, and Universal City Walk Beijing will officially take place, allowing guests to enjoy blockbuster fun and with immersive experiences in the largest Universal studios at its opening exploring 37 rides and attractions in seven immersive themed lands of the park as well as 24 shows and performances in the resort all day long it's a lot that's really entertainment heavy i love that i i was thinking that too and and it's it's very refreshing after having this long time where the parks are open here in the u.s like quote unquote open right but a lot of the live entertainment has been stripped out of them and it's still Mm -hmm. staggering back to life and just this week, of course, we saw the opening, reopening of Broadway. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, so it's, it's trickling back here, but I like this focus on, on entertainment. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that, I think it's, and it's always been a pendulum. It's always swung back and forth and it's always been cultural. You know, mm-hmm. different locations dig live entertainment more than others. And it, and then it, and then it swings back, excuse me, swings back and forth, uh, based on trends of the moment. So, uh, that's again very cool. Twenty four shows, love it. Yeah, and so so going down that line a little bit more about uh, trends, the kind of the biggest takeaways I thought from this was the partnerships is a huge piece of this, and uh, maybe kind of buried because I think we're going to see the partnerships, of course, develop as we see the park open. Mm-hmm. But their partnership with Tencent, which is very interesting, so uh, Universal Beijing Resort signed a partnership agreement with Tencent Entertainment Group. According to the agreement, the two parties will initiate a long-term partnership. Tencent's gaming IPs beloved by younger generations will be integrated into the new and exciting entertainment experiences offered at the resort. Both parties aim to explore presenting Chinese culture to younger generations in a vivid way. With this partnership, the resort will introduce Tencent's gaming most popular IP in future seasonal events in 2022 to bring a comprehensive and immersive entertainment experience to all guests. In subsequent stages of the plan, the two parties will continue to select IP cooperation for additional seasonal events and to jointly explore the possibility of launching offline esports activities providing more exciting opportunities to guests. And then there's another uh, um, description about them partnering with China Life 
to pledging cooperation areas, including insurance services and uh, marketing and welfare programs and whatnot. Um, and there's there's a list. There's also Alibaba on here and Young China. But I thought the IP partnerships, especially when they're talking about seasonal interactions, was brilliant. I'm so excited for this and for the gaming IPs. And like, how how many times have we talked about IPs and working them into stuff? And Tencent is huge in China. They are they are enormous, and their IPs are very strong. And I think this is like a, a masterstroke kind of like of them working from the get-go into this and building this partnership into their plan for activations. Well, and IP integration has been part of Universal's DNA since the beginning of the parks. I mean, you know, you you can't you can't look at once once Universal California stopped being just a tram tour, you know, mm-hmm. which was, you know, many years ago, uh, when it became a theme park, the first thing they did was integrate intellectual property. I mean, they they brought in you know ride the movies. They they brought in uh, live the movies. So this is just the next step. And the thing that I think is really smart is taking it to you know looking at uh, shooting where the ducks are flying. They're looking at the at the culture that they're setting up in, and um, and I was about to use the word exploiting, but that has a negative connotation. Um, but but again, partnering with those IPs that are going to make the most sense in that region as opposed to trying to force fit something else, um, which I think kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier as far as supporting the the local parks. Yes, uh, that's you know, exactly what I'm thinking. Yep. Supporting the Dollywoods and supporting the, the, the Six Flags Park, Six Flags, you know, the Six Flags in Texas, the Six Flags. Um, and, it's, and it's interesting because it, this is something that, even in my time in theme park, the pendulum has swung back and forth a lot. It's been, let's make each park individual, and then it's been, let's make each part, park a corporate entity so that no matter where you go, you get the same experience. Mm-hmm. And it seems as though, since you know we are, uh, at the moment, still traveling for leisure less, um, it seems like the, the pendulum has swung back to supporting the local, the, the hometown hometown experience. Okay. So that is so interesting. That was exactly kind of my thoughts, except I guess what I was thinking is it seems like some of these parks are doubling down on that experience, the local encouraging the locals and embedding local culture like Dollywood and what knots used to do, which is the market and the, you know, into the fog with local artists, like, you know, doing local things, encourage locals, but it seems like Disney is taking the opposite approach where they are saying we're going to price out of the local market and we're going to reduce entertainment offerings and basically make sure that the day guest gets to see everything all year round that is iconic for that park. You know, they're not going to be disrupted by Christmas. Like the fact they're taking down all the Halloween decorations for the 50th so that in October there's no Halloween and it's just 50th. You know, because then the day guest won't be interrupted by the the holiday, so that anytime the day guest wants to come, they see the same thing. And it makes, I mean, it it would make sense if they're diverging into different strategies. Well, and because again, you you, it's real difficult to compete, certainly in the United States and and probably worldwide. It's real difficult to compete with Disney in creating the same experience everywhere. Um, the other thing that that we have to kind of think about with Disney is Disney has always, at least in Florida, because 
Disneyland and the Walt Disney World Resort operate very, very differently. Mm -hmm. um, the Walt Disney World Resort is their motto is eat, sleep, eat, sleep, drink Disney. So in essence, they that's not their official model motto, but that's the way they that's their mentality. So in essence, they are creating their own neighborhood. They're creating their own local environment. I mean, and I don't just mean celebration, um, but they're creating a place where guests can come live in the world of Disney and not leave it. So even then, they're kind of doubling down on their local experiences. Local not being Florida, local not being California, local being the world that you enter into, the immersive world of Disney when you come. So it's something that that is unique to that village, that environment that you that you enter into. And, you know, for we've we've all if, if you stay on Disney property, you don't see the rest of Orlando for the most part. Yeah. Um, you you eat, sleep, drink Disney. That's it. Um, and so I I know it's I know it's kind of a long shot, but I don't I think the I think the emotional mentality is the same between trying to make Dollywood a unique destination. That's Dollywood and um, SeaWorld uh, or Six Flags, um, Six Flags Fiesta Texas is unique, is a unique experience, whereas Knott's is a unique experience for the Cedar Fair parks. Um, Disney is a unique experience for itself because it is almost so big that it seems like a locale. Yeah, so that, I, I could I go that down makes that a whole lot of sense. I don't know why I, that makes I, a whole lot of sense. And I, th I think it ultimately leads to the same conclusion, which is they don't need to alter then the offerings um, cause, cause what, what we always say, what, you know, you and I especially say is that parks need seasonal activations. It's not just for Christmas and Halloween. It is for all year. It's for summer. It's for new year's, Chinese new year, Scott's festival, you know, do all those things to celebrate the holidays that the locals celebrate, you know, Dia de los Muertos and, you know, like all of those cultural moments bring them in and let you celebrate them in the park disney does not need to do that if they are their own locale you know you have like the food and wine thing and that's its own festival and it just goes on forever now you know and then and and it, that mirrors you know i i've been traveling to all the events and this kind of mirrors the feedback i've been getting from i've been interviewing exit polling um different guests at different events um the boobash was very disappointing for a lot of locals at Magic Kingdom because there's no entertainment left. It is three cavalcades, which a cavalcade is one parade float. It's about about like a five minute thing with one parade float. So that that happens. Um, there's three of those, and then there are the cadaver dance that sing mostly their regular songs with one Halloween song thrown in. Um, and then there's a few character meet and greets, like meeting. I mean, like they're they're standing in like their costumes, but like walking around on the second level. So the guests don't interact with them. Um, that's, that's, that's it, you know, and there's not even that many decorations now because they're trying to make sure that they can transition main street to 50th overnight. So they're not putting up a lot of the pumpkin decorations. So it's, it's, it's basically much more like here's magic kingdom with a splash of Halloween, like at night, <laughs> you know, and, that's it. It's not like a, a separate event. And it's, and then the ticket price is so high 
you know, still when you contrast that then to what the other parks are doing with um, really look at next door universal and then look at sea world really like opening their house screen, really bringing out this whole separate event at a much lower ticket price. You know, it seems like they're encouraging, you know, just like we say, but then Disney is just saying, we don't need to do that because the whole, like you said, the whole premise is that it is its own little locale. So we don't need to alter the offerings. Maybe even altering the off the offerings is detrimental to their plan because then if you if it's if you come in October and you want to see the stuff that you haven't seen, you know, you want to see the particular attractions that you want to do the experience and it's not available, that could be detrimental. Right. Right. Well, and maybe, you know, and maybe this is just a temporary thing because since people have not done their their annual, you know, pilgrimage to Disney um, yep. over the yep. last couple of years. Um, they want to make sure that that when they do come, it's it's what they are coming for, not the overlay. You know, they don't need to drive attendance uh, seasonally because they are their own season. You know, when you go to Disney, it's always Disney. Yeah, it's always Disney season when you're at Disney. Um, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Well, I, I think this is something we should probably keep an eye on as we move forward because I think we can probably. Uh, see where they're headed with this um, over the next few months or years. We'll see. We'll see. So, you know, you, you talk about the importance of, of seasonal, and you also mentioned that you have been traveling quite a bit. You've been all over the place. I've been all over the place. We've been, uh, I've been uh, installing them, and you've been going to see them, which is great. Um, what are some of the things that, that stand out this, this Halloween season for you, Philip? Because you're obviously up to your eyeballs in them. Yeah, so what stood out to me after the boobash being a, a kind of a whole separate lack of entertainment and really just focused on the day guest. Um, otherwise, I thought it, it's very interesting this year to see Knotts's, you know, Into the Fog exhibit. It, it's very exciting and it involves, it does exactly what we I were just saying. It involves a local people and even non-locals like Scott, but people who are <laughs> rabid fans um, of, the, of the event. But at the same time, the creative team this year didn't do any of the discussions about the Easter eggs that are in their event. And again, as something you just did a video on is how important Easter eggs are for the rabid fans. So it's interesting. You're going to do an exhibit where you'll, you'll gather artwork from rabid fans, but you won't let any of the designers or even encourage or even do your own version or even offer a tour. There's no way of getting the story of the new areas and the Easter eggs. And you can contrast that to Universal Orlando who has a whole tour system that is very expensive, that is selling out for people to go and just walk through each house and do that. And they have their RIPs, which are selling out. And just to give you anchors for this, the RIP starts at $300 and does not include admission. So that could that's about $380 plus for the RIP. And then the unmasking tours are about $150 to $300, depending on whether you do three or six, you know, and and you go with a group of 12 and it's a lot of people. So it's it's a chunk that they are getting just mm -hmm. to just because people want to hear about the story in the mazes, which is bananas pants, because they could just go on the site and read it. I mean, you do get extra, you get extra information, but you know, it seems like a yeah, that's my observation. But again, theme parks have done this forever. They've they've vacillated back and forth between we're gonna focus on the fantasy or we're gonna focus on the reality. And it seems like now the the pendulums are kind of in in opposition to one another. Um, but I will say just as a shameless plug, I am so excited to be part of uh, of 
Into the Fog this year at the art show. Um, and the piece that I have there is actually inspired by my very first visit um, to Halloween Haunt, which was in 2000. And it's also in celebration of the Streetmosphere performers. So if you're in California and you get a chance to stop by, um, take a look. There's a, the originals there. There's also some some uh, signed, numbered, limited edition prints yep. of the piece. But it's, it's not just my pieces. There's a bunch of great art there. Yes. I've not been... Unfortunately, I can't go in person this year, but um, I have seen the videos and it looks great. So anyway, that's all the time we have. We uh, we ended up chatting way, way, way too much about too many things, but that that's just what we do. So uh, on behalf of my co-host, Philip Hernandez, uh, with Gantam Lighting and the Haunted Attraction Network, my name is Scott Swenson with Scott Swenson Creative Development. This is Green Tagged, and we will see you next week. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.